Showmates, welcome to your Wednesday. Plenty to talk about. We're following the continued increase in book bans across the nation and the Surgeon General who is accused of altering his state's COVID-19 data. We want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelai Corte. Plus, Jalen Rose is firing back following comments made about Black Lives Matter. And the New Orleans high school senior who's breaking mm -hmm. records are the stories that impact our people. That's right. We're bringing you our news, our voice, and our views and our voice. So let's get into our big conversation for today. It takes us to Jackson, Mississippi, where a woman is suing the state capitol police accusing officers of using excessive force when she was shot in the arm while lying in her bed. The incident occurred when an officer fired at a man fleeing a stolen car uh, into Latasha Smith's apartment complex. She survived but was traumatized and unable to work. The lawsuit claims poor officer training and a disregard for human life that led to that shooting. Some argue that the Capitol Police are necessary to combat violent crime, but others say officers haven't been properly trained for the job. This is the second lawsuit against the police in a week. The Run With Mod 5K Run Walk will take place on May 6th at Centennial Olympic Park to celebrate the life of Ahmad Arbery and raise funds for his foundation. Arbery was shot and killed in 2020 while out for a run. The Run Walk aims to raise awareness of running's benefits for mental and physical health and provide mental health resources for black boys. The Atlanta Track Club will organize the event. It will be part of a day-long celebration of running with all proceeds benefiting the Ahmad Arbery Foundation. Registration is now open. And joining us now is Wanda Cooper-Jones, mother of Ahmad Arbery. We want to thank you uh, for your time today and welcome to uh, Black Report. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, justice is still being sought for your son. Former District Attorney Jackie Johnson has been charged for interfering, interfering on behalf of your son's killers in the investigation. Can you give us an update as to where does her case stand? Um, I was told by um, the state a couple of weeks ago that the lead attorney for Ms. Jo Johnson was actually um, in, a, in a trial here in Atlanta. So we won't be moving forward with her case until that that case is over. So I'm hoping that case will be soon open, uh, that case will be soon over, we can have her in court as well. Indeed, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the run with Ma, the 5K run. It's coming up next month. Uh, why did you decide uh, to do a run, yet another run in his honor? There, there are plenty that have been out there. Talk a little bit about this one in particular. Sure, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have turned, I'm 29 years old on May 8th, and I decided the day of May 6th would be like a celebration for Ahmaud's birthday as well. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted people to never forget that Ahmaud Arbor was just simply out on a run that Sunday afternoon, yeah. and, and his life was taken away. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we need to, you know, I want his name to be called forever. I mean, I'm for starters. And all the money is raised, but go back into the community, um, servicing our black boys in mental and physical wellness. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit more as to, you know, when is it where, and where does it take place and, and how can folks get involved? Sure. Um, the run is going to take place in Centennial Park in Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to start at, a, at 8 o'clock a.m. Um, you can register, um, go online to the ModArborFoundation.org and register. There's a $35 registration fee, and if you want a, an inaugural shirt, um, you can purchase that in the amount of $20.
Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the Arbery Foundation, the platform, and uh, the, the message that you continue and, and hope to continue to push. Sure. Um, as we all know, um, Ahmad, when Ahmad was killed, he was having some mental challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I want um, any black boy who looks like Ahmad who, who are facing those type challenges to have the resources uh, to help in those areas. Ms. Jones, you, you recently wanted to meet with Ralph Yarrow's family. Can you, can you tell us why and, and, and has that meeting happened or is it about to happen? Sure. I talked to the mother of, of Baby Ralph about I think it was last week, and she assured me that Ralph is doing better, and she was doing good, good, good as well. I thought it was very important because when tragedy hits home, I mean, mothers who have never been through this fight before are, are, are facing this type of tragedy. They, they, I think it's very important for them to know that they're not in this fight alone. And I just wanted to reach out and give her my 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 sincere mm -hmm. condolences that she um, that she was facing those challenges. Yeah, Miss Cooper Jones. It's, first of all, it's good to see your face. I was in the area when this uh, tragic uh, incident occurred, a couple of uh, counties over in Richmond. Uh, so of course, you know, it, it wasn't as heavy uh, for me as a journalist as it is for you as a mom. But we definitely felt it. It was very heavy. Um, I even interviewed some young black men who, like Ahmad, were were runners and we're afraid to run, we're very emotional about it. How do you keep, you know, how do you stay inspired? How do you stay encouraged in the strength? Where do you draw from? Sure, um, I just wanna add, I, I thought I knew your face because when I when the tragedy happened, I moved back to Waynesboro mm -hmm. and I watched on the local news a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good to see you. You too. Um, I forgot the question now, I'm sorry. Just the strength, uh, where do you draw from, the encouragement, you know, and, and how you keep going? Um, basically, um, starting the foundation is, is lets me know that Ahmad's legacy uh, will never end. Mm -hmm. And knowing that the work that we're going to do is going to impact black boys in the community, mm -hmm. that that's actually my strength there. Indeed, indeed. And, and speaking of black boys, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's never ending. The headlines in the news of unarmed black men, you know, being shot and, and killed, um, you know, what do you make of this moment, you know, uh, coming off of the Ralph Yarrow, um, you know, shooting uh, in uh, Kansas City? What do you make of this moment? And what's your message to, to our audience and to the nation uh, to keep this from happening ever again? Well, actually, I mean, it, it happens too much too soon, all, always. Um, and then when, when Baby Ralph was shot, that there wasn't the proper arrest done at the time that it was done, like in Ahmaud's case. I would say that anytime that something happens, we need to stay on top of it. And when we need arrests, we need to fight until those arrests are done. Yeah. Before we let you go, uh, Ms. Uh, Cooper Jones, uh, one more time, uh, how we can be involved in the uh, Mod 5K race and how we can um, link with your, uh, with the foundation, that sure. information. Mm -hmm. Sure, that, you can visit the web at the, the modarbyfoundation.org. There's a registration link on that page. Um, and also, you can also check out the page to find out um, the wonderful work that we're doing in the community. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we love you, we appreciate you, and uh, thank you for continuing to remind us to live in your son's legacy. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back soon just to check in and see how you're doing.
Thank you, ma'am. Indeed. Thank you. All right, we're going to move on here. A United Nations panel is touring the U.S. for two weeks to focus on racial justice, law enforcement, and policing. The expert mechanism to advance racial justice and equality in the context of law enforcement panel, that's a lot, will check if laws and practices for law enforcement align with international human rights standards. Now, they will visit D.C., Atlanta, L.A., Chicago, Minneapolis, and New York to combat racism, ensure accountability, and offer recommendations. A report will be presented to the UN Human Rights Council a little bit later on this year. The writer's organization, PEN America, reported that book bans in the U.S. public schools had increased by 28% in the first half of the 2022-2023 academic year. It described a, quote, relentless conservative crusade to construct children's freedom, to constrict rather, children's freedom to read. PEN America recorded over 4,000 instances of banned books since July 2021, including over 1,400 individual books banning of, uh, bans affecting nearly 1,000 unique titles. 30% of banned books are about race. They're about racism, characters of color, while 26% have LGBTQ characters or themes. Seven Texas and 13 Florida districts were responsible for a significant number of book bans and the rise is linked to censorship legislation in the states. You know, as this continues, um, it kind of takes me back, you know, to, to the idea of tapping into a little bit of retro spectrum. I remember, you remember the Reading Rainbow, uh, LeVar Burton, he hosted that thing from like um, the, the mid 80s all the way up until 06. He won Emmys, he won a Peabody Award, he produced that thing and really put his heart into it. And it was all to get us uh, you know, black kids in particular to read. And I think as this movement to ban these type of books, to ban this information and to, and to erase it all, I think we need to tap into to programs uh, similar to Reading Rainbow and, and continue to uh, formulate um, programs like this that can combat what is going on. Because, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you can gather some kids together mm -hmm. and, and, and private and, and read these books and disseminate this information and tell the narratives. So again, I feel like we're going to just have to own it and take the teaching of our history into our own hands and still fight for what should be a part of American history. But in the meaning in between, what, what brings to mind is something like the Reading Rainbow, where there's an actual program and, and something out there for kids to tap into and learn yeah, while, this is going, while this is ongoing. Yeah, and it's a reminder that there, there is a connection between these book bans mm -hmm. and the climate that we're creating in our communities mm -hmm. that is make, that's enabling violence to take place. It's, right. en, it's enabling uh, and quite frankly, putting in danger mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our young people. And so uh, we'll continue to keep our eye on these, but these book bans are super scary. Mm -hmm. All righty, President uh, Biden endorses, uh, well, President Obama rather, uh, endorses President Biden's reelection bid saying, quote, let's get to work. Obama tweets pride in Biden's accomplishments, uh, stating his he's delivered for the American people and can continue if reelected. Biden officially declared his candidacy for reelection, citing his accomplishments and the need to preserve American freedoms. However, there are some voters that have expressed concern about President Biden's age, uh, leading some to doubt his ability to serve another four years. Now, despite this only marginal opposition for the Democratic nomination currently challenges Biden, including self help author Marianne Williamson and environmental lawyer Robert F. Kennedy Jr.
Well, you know, you know the Obamas, both mm -hmm. President Obama, former President Obama, and Michelle Obama, our forever first lady, are going to play an outsized role in this re-election campaign, mm -hmm. in part because they're so popular. But mm -hmm. let's also not give short shrift to Vice President Harris, who's mm -hmm. already, you know, sort of, you know, been having a pretty strong year. Mm -hmm. um, remember right after the, the uh, Nashville uh, protest where uh, uh, three, the Tennessee three were expelled, uh, Vice President Harris was right there on the ground the very next day, mm -hmm. right? And she's been talking a lot about women's reproductive rights. And so, you know, I, I think you're seeing sort of a dream team hopefully being assembled mm -hmm. to rally Democratic black voters mm -hmm. to pull Biden over the finish line. And just a, a side note, a connection to, to Mary Ann Williamson, who is going, you know, to run. Um, she was my spiritual leader. There was a church here locally called Church of the Day. Myself, Kim, <laughs> the R&B singer Kim, okay. uh, Thornetta Davis, Detroit's a queen of the blues. We all uh, were a part of this church. So, you know, some years later to see her jump into that realm was a bit surprising for me. I, I, I do appreciate a lot of her uh, ideology and doctrine. I don't know if it's fitting uh, for what we need in D.C., but, you know, it's just it shows that, you know, folks who feel strong about this thing and have the support and the money, you could throw your hat in to be the president of the United States of America. So it's just an interesting uh, uh, tap into that particular story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael Jackson's mother, Katherine Jackson, will testify in court as she battles against the late singer's estate. The executors of the estate, John Branca and John McClain, secured a deal believed to be linked to the reported $800 million sale of half of Jackson's music catalog. The Jackson matriarch objected to the deal three months later, and Michael's siblings, Randy and Reby, viewed confidential documents related to the sale. The estate's beneficiaries are Jackson's three children, Prince, Paris, and Blanket, with the will also providing for Catherine for the rest of her life. Let me tell you something. Mother Jackson probably has plenty more secrets to uh, to reveal and dig up if, if the case be. You know, I've always, for me, you know, prayed and hoped for the best for the Jackson family. I know fame and money does a lot, um, you know, evil. Uh, but, you know, to, for them to be able to stay as a unit and stay unified, especially after the tragic loss, you know, of Michael. I know, according to, you know, the uh, docuseries that we, we've seen lately, Janet and Randy seem to have a pretty solid relationship. It seems to be up and down with the other siblings. But, um, you know, when, when mother speaks, uh, folks will listen. I think it, it appears as though to me that that's the one person that Michael really, really trusted was, was mama. And that's the one who seems to have, like, some of the power and, and some of the secrets. Yeah, and, and it's also important to note that that the Jackson estate was like $400 million in debt mm -hmm. uh, when these two executors of the estate took over. Mm -hmm. uh, they have pulled the estate out of debt. This is an $800 million deal that they're looking at. And so, you know, uh, matriarch Jackson, Mama Jackson, may not be looking at the, the business case mm -hmm. that they're making. Um, she may have, you know, other feelings about the deal. Um, the idea of selling, you know, half of his music catalog, mm -hmm. I think, you know, most of us who read that sort of had a reaction, like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, they've been pretty business savvy thus far, and so we'll see where this case goes. Indeed. All right, coming up, Lizzo is taking her protest to the stage. That's right. We'll tell you about what she's doing to combat the drag ban in Tennessee. You're watching Fox News Black Report. We'll be right back.
welcome you back to Fox Souls Black Report. All eyes on Florida. They've been on Florida. This, they stay on okay, Florida. This time, as the Surgeon General is in hot water, but this time uh, it's not for his comments. Dr. Joseph Ladapo is accused of altering data related COVID 19 for his own agenda. That's right. Sources reported this week that he altered a state analysis last year to suggest that men between 18 and 39 were at high risk of heart illness from two COVID-19 vaccines that use mRNA technology. This type of tech instructs cells in the body to make specific proteins to fight certain diseases and infections. Ladepeo in, is an appointee of Governor DeSantis. Uh, Shame on him. Yeah, it's definitely not a good look. I'm not sure if uh, Governor DeSantis has, DeSantis has uh, responded uh, to what has uh, taken place here, uh, but it's definitely not a, a good look, especially after, uh, you know, they put uh, COVID and the whole vaccination piece, they put it under fire, you know, in Florida. This was, you know, you know th their argument. And so it looks like in order to support some of those crazy arguments that went against uh, mm -hmm. science, if you will, that uh, some of these facts have been altered down there in Florida uh, to, to better support uh, what they felt about mm -hmm. the pandemic and about COVID-19 versus what was being um, put out there and how we were being educated by way of Fauci and, and, and DC, who they of course disagreed with. And we know how much message carriers matter, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the black communities, particularly during some of the darkest days of the pandemic. You know, my mother grew up in the Tampa Bay area. Mm -hmm. We have relatives that died of COVID. Um, and, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, it, maybe if they were getting better information, mm -hmm. you know, from people that are supposed to take a Hippocratic oath, you know, to do no harm, right? Well, what he did, I think, created harm because it created confusion. It created yes. misinformation. And so mm -hmm. I say shame on him. Yeah, and still and still to this day, I've kind of deduced it down to, look, uh, it's something that we're going to have to unfortunately live with. Uh, let me take advantage of all the vaccinations that are available and will be available uh, with with that, you'll probably have some congestion, stuffy nose, a little tired, maybe run a fever. Uh, you work through that cycle, you mask up, you stay away from folks, and then you, you move on with your life. That's the best I can do with all of that information from both sides that was so confusing. Now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, that's my takeaway. That's my takeaway. It's something we're gonna have to live with and you know, you take some steps to uh, keep yourself safe and the, and the ones you are around and love the most. We just need to need people to stop uh, lying about it <laughs> and, and, and stop well, using, it, yeah. using it for political gain. Mm -hmm, indeed. All right, let's go to Alabama where Governor Kay Ivey forced out the state's early childhood education secretary, lady by the name of Barbara Cooper, over the use of a teacher training book that included woke concepts. Now the book covers racism and inclusion, but Ivey argued it had no place in Alabama classrooms Ivy instructed Cooper to discontinue the book and she resigned. Uh, the National Association for the Education of Young Children published the book to support teachers. Uh, educators criticized the move for, quote, whitewashing American history. Here's this conversation yet again, the court of lie. Yeah, and are we surprised it's coming out no. of Alabama? And, and Governor Kay Ivy, no. 
And and you know, no. and and the the book in question um, is a book that is in its fourth edition, mm -hmm. right? So you didn't have anything to say Issue about the first it, edition, when it came the second edition, <laughs> the third edition. But all of a sudden, yeah. in the fourth edition, oh wait a minute, you know, there's there's stuff there uh, that experts say isn't really there. So yeah. what's really going on? I mean, we were just talking about in Florida, the doctor that you know had fudged mm -hmm. information about COVID-19, seeming for political gain, mm -hmm. well, it looks like in neighboring Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, this governor, you know, uh, seems to be playing loose with the facts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if this book is legit, and, you know, take the fight about it, you know, over here, but let's, as a culture, as a community, let's create some safe spaces where we can tap into this book and, and discuss it and read over it and study it with, with our children. Uh, you know, that's, to me, that's the answer right now as we continue, you know, to fight, you know, in the House and in the, in, in the Senate and, and wherever else we fight in the school board rooms uh, and meetings uh, to, to get our history uh, told and out there like everyone else's is. And it's just another reminder, we gotta tap in. We gotta tap mm -hmm. into what's happening mm -hmm. in our school boards. We gotta tap into uh, the ballot box because there's so much at stake, yeah. uh, not just for our kids, but our history. Speaking of tapping in. Yeah. Yeah, man. Lizzo is showing her solidarity with the drag community. Mm -hmm. The Grammy singer protested one of Tennessee's latest laws by bringing out 20 drag queens on stage during her concert in Knoxville. Lizzo thanking each performer by name on her Instagram account where she has, get this, more than 13 million yeah. followers. She was ready for Tennessee, honey. She, they had, they had on, she had on combat boots, and you see here the, the queens here dressed in, in all the all the brigal, if you will, all That's the right. pageantry of it all to really, contoured. Yeah, to really uh -huh. combat this this Tennessee law that you know prohibits performance in public places. This law even goes as far to make it uh, a violation or to be against the law to wear certain. Uh, uh, um, clothing while mm -hmm. performing. You can't do tank tops. You can't do miniskirts. I mean, this law really digs deep. And, and, and I'm just saying to myself, listen, can you be just as adamant about uh, keeping our babies safe in school, uh, keeping me safe when I go to the grocery store? Banning or the assault mall, weapons? How or about the that? Movies? Can we take some of that effort? And, and as detailed as that uh, ban is, mm -hmm. and put that towards keeping America safe. That's right, that's right. That's and the, my and, and, thought on that. And hat tip to Lizzo, this is a powerful demonstration it of is. allyship, right? Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. you know, she risked violating the law. We know that uh, a court has sort of put a stay on this mm -hmm. um, and suspects that the law is unconstitutional in the first place. But mm -hmm. still, she's going out there and she's taking a risk. And we, we love to see artists, you know, sort of uh, operating in the same vein as the great Harry Belafonte. Oh, you yeah. got to get out there, mm -hmm. use your platform for good mm -hmm. to say something of consequence. And yeah. it looks like that's what she's doing. Fearlessness. Yep. Gotta love it. All right. According to a recent study, less than half of black Gen Zers, uh, no, Gen Xers, I'm sorry, uh, born from 1965 to 1980, so we're talking Gen X here, believe they won't be able to retire by the age of 70. The study shows only 10% of black Gen 
Xers have over $500,000 in retirement savings, 43% worry they'll outlive their retirement savings, and 41% are concerned about housing affordability. Uh, Cleaver Real Estate uh, suggests starting retirement savings now and seeking financial advice. They also recommend advocating for a more robust retirement program for American workers. And Nikola, as a Gen Xer, I was, you know, born vintage 1971. <laughs> I. I see the worry, uh, you know, I see uh, the concern. I will be honest, it was, it was, you know, when I said, hey, I'm ready to be somebody's wife, I had to check that thing because, you know, it's not about marrying for money, but you want to feel the increase. If not, I can continue to, you know, rob Peter and pay Paul uh, as a single woman. But it is something to think about. Even life insurance at 52, mm -hmm. you know, my life insurance, even though I, I drew, you know, I started one much earlier in life, but right now, if I were to start a life insurance policy, it's about a million dollars a month at 52 years old because because they're thinking according to statistics, especially with black folks, we don't live too long. And mm -hmm. so they're gonna make you pay up. So it's a tough decision, but I, I, I know folks, uh, you know, in my age group who, who probably will have to work well beyond age 70. And I'm what people call a geriatric millennial, um, an older millennial, sure, sure, you know, sure. and so, you know, I, I certainly can relate to this. I have friends that can relate to mm -hmm. this. You know, the cost of things are pretty high, yeah, right? And yeah. so, you know, you're supposed to save like 10% of your income, you know, every year just towards retirement. That's mm -hmm. not emergency fund, that's just towards retirement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are still, you know, trying to manage inflation. People are still trying to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's easier said than done. But you know what? That side hustle that might have been a nice yeah. to have, that might just be a must have. That, that different uh, avenues of um, income. You know, nowadays it's almost a must and mandatory or to have a, a, a cushion or an emergency fund, which is even hard to keep because it's mm -hmm. an emergency every day when a carton of eggs costs, you know, $25. So it's, it's even tough to save. So I hear the stats, I, I hear the advice, I hear the research, but on a day to day, it's tough to save a little bit. It's also going to be interesting to see um, whether or not the rate of folks that marry, whether or not that's going to increase, right? Mm -hmm. You know, pooling resources together, together yeah. as a couple, because we see certainly with millennials that the the rate at which people marry and are building families has decreased that's right. compared to Generation X. And so I don't know if that, uh, if that trend is going to hold. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if so, you know, um, uh, you know, how long will it hold? Yeah, very interesting, very interesting discussion. All right. Well, still ahead, it's a family reunion unlike any other. Oh, yes, we'll tell you all about the meeting between the descendants of, check it out, Robert Lee, that Robert Lee, mm -hmm, and the descendants of those he enslaved. Very interesting here. It's all coming up, soulmates. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. I just want to know who's cooking. <laughs> Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, two black pastors finally received justice and acknowledgement. The Yale Board of Trustees has voted to give two posthumous degrees to two black theology students who attended Yale University back in the 19th century. Reverend James W.C. Pennington and Reverend Alexander Crummel, seen here, faced several injustices during their time at Yale, university officials said. Now, Pennington was also the first black student to attend Yale University. The two men were not allowed to formally register for classes or matriculate for a degree 
degree because of their race. That's right. They did not have access to library resources and were not allowed to participate in classroom discussions due to racism. Despite the injustices they faced, Pennington and Cremont began, became highly regarded pastors and Pan-African scholars in their lifetimes. They were also both leaders in the abolitionist movement. Well, big ups to those who did the research and found these two men, uh, and I'm sure there's plenty more uh, who face these kind of discriminations as they tried to press on and press through and get their education at Yale. And back then, Yale was still Yale. Uh, and so big ups to those who kind of unearthed this story and now are giving them their just due. I hope that movement and that energy continues. Keep that same energy. And let's uh, continue to unearth uh, some you know stories similar and other people who, who are deserving of such an honor as well. It's 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 too late, but it's never too late. How about that? Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I hope that these hidden figures mm -hmm. um, become not so hidden at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the very history mm -hmm. that we are fighting for our young people to know about, right? This was this was one of the original We Shall Overcome mm -hmm. stories. I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. Like, how do you go to, you know, one of the most celebrated universities in the United States, mm -hmm. and you can't even go into the library to check out a book. But still persevered. Right? But you still persevere, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and you still go on uh, to, to matriculate and, mm -hmm. and to do good in the world, mm -hmm. right? With a country that didn't do good by you, yeah. right? That's what we're made of. Yeah, and, and we know that Yale and that whole Ivy League, it, you know, the cream of the crop, but you know, there are some other amazing university and colleges where I'm sure that uh, they have plenty of stories uh, like this if those folks there want to take the time to, to dig a little deep and find them. So very sure. That's right. All right. Confederate General Robert E. Lee's name continues to be removed. This time, it's Fort Lee, Virginia, a military base, which as of yesterday was named after uh, the Confederate general. The fort now honors Lieutenant General Arthur Gregg and Lieutenant Colonel Charity Adams, the U.S. Army said in a statement. A redesignation ceremony is planned for the 27th of uh, this month, honoring the two black officers who officials said expelled, excelled rather in the field of sustainment and made significant marks in the U.S. Army and its history. I mean, wow. I mean, what, mm -hmm. a, what a tall honor. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just glad that he lived long enough to be able to see this. Yeah. You know, at 94, mm -hmm. you know, one of the only living people, you know, in the Army to, to, to be able to witness that sort of honor. And we know this doesn't come easy, and especially in this current political climate, mm -hmm. you know, where the, the idea of, of, of removing Confederate uh, monuments and removing the names of Confederate generals off of various, you know, government properties across the country, yeah. that this was no easy thing. And so I really am glad that he had a chance yeah. to see it. And, you know, these these folks whose these monuments were erected and named after, you know, that's what that was. But now that we've moved into a space, and especially a thinking where you know we're being governed by diversity it is just amazing how many choices over the years over the over the decades people have had to choose from as far as people of color people who are different you know you you could have had some of these monuments named after some of these
these very people if you know you at some point started to lead with an all-inclusive attitude we're mm -hmm. talking about the military who is kind of separate and set aside and you would think that they would want to honor everybody regardless of the color but even in their past they kind of stuck to folks who kind of represented what they represented which is why a lot of those monuments and name changes are taking place now so it's it's evident that there are plenty of folks uh, out there as far as diversity is concerned who deserve that kind of honor and recognition yeah yeah well speaking of Robert E Lee his black and white descendants recently met for a reunion mm. at the Arlington House in Virginia sources reported that descendants of Lee met with the descendants of people he once enslaved this was the first time some of them have met in person as they have had conversations virtually hoping to understand the racial divide with some called with something called family circle the celebration drew a crowd of about 100 people. Stephen Hammond, the organizer and the descendant of a Lee family slave, said that this has been a lifelong goal of his. It's important that we get to know one another because our ancestors existed in this space together, he stated. And I agree with that. And so, you know, for the optics of it all, yes, let's have a kumbaya, mo kumbaya moment. It's 2023. Uh, I remember the uh, captain of one of the last slave ships to enter into uh, the Mobile area and, and the descendants of, you know, the slaves who were on that ship, they are either recently got together or they're trying to get together as well. So yes, I think have these meetings and these kumbaya moments, but maybe, you know, in, in secret or in the back room or, or behind the cameras, let's sit down and really talk about, you know, how this really feels. Let's sit down and talk about how, you know, slavery has impacted blacks for generations to generation and how slavery has impacted, you know, white folks or the owners on the other side of that in a very different way for generations to, we're talking about the setup here. So I think this is great, but let's pull back, you know, and let's really get to, even if it gets a little emotional and heavy and sticky, let's really talk about, you know, how we really feel. I think this is a great moment to do that. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of this moment, I mean, there's been so much afoot with regard to reparations. Mm -hmm. We've had Hariva Martin on the show just yesterday talking about an effort in Palm Springs. Well, you know, we're having that conversation. Um, we can't have that conversation without also having a conversation about reconciliation, mm -hmm. right? And, and what does that look like? What does restorative mm -hmm. justice look mm -hmm. like? And so I hope that the both the black and white families, the descendants of Robert E. Lee, can offer us some clues mm -hmm. in terms of how they may be going about doing that. Uh, in their family, mm -hmm. um, having to contend with uh, a, a, a history mm -hmm. um, that um, you know is filled with uh, contradictions, mm -hmm. uh, a, a history that uh, I would imagine has a bit of shame um, and a bit of pride for some members of the family. How do you reconcile that? That's the, that's the question at hand. That's the question at hand. All right, let's move on here as the news industry is mourning today as trailblazing news correspondent Gil Christian has died at the age of 83. Christian was a pioneering news correspondent who is noted for helping pave the way for black women in the field. She made a name for herself for her on-air work while at NBC News and PBS. She gained national attention back in 1974 for her coverage of the trial of the C uh, Symbionese Liberation Army and the kidnapping of Patty Hearst. Christian's partner shared to the New York Times that her, the cause of her death was due to complications from a recent surgery. Mm.
We stand on the shoulders we of do. giants. We really do. I mean, you know, wow. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, has had quite a career, mm -hmm. um, quite a career, particularly uh, with PBS. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, particularly as a black uh, queer journalist um, is a source of inspiration for a lot of us. Absolutely, and you know, for a, a lot of uh, journalists uh, listening in, watching in, it's a discover, especially as, you know, she's exposed, unfortunately, by way of her passing, but you know, there is some exposure to, you know, younger generations who, who need to know uh, who belongs to the fabric, you know, and to the landscape, and, and to the foundation upon which uh, we step upon, and, and continue to soar upon, if you will. So. Uh, so unfortunate uh, passing. It's, it sounded kind of like sudden and, and unexpected. And our prayers out to her partner and her family. Um, but uh, as journalists, my plan is to continue to live in that legacy. That's right. Yeah. Coming up, NBA legend Jalen Rose is firing back at former Lakers coach Phil Jackson. Oh, yes. We'll tell you why Rose felt as though he needed to address the coach when we return. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. That's a Detroit boy right there. Watch it. Watch <laughs> and we want to welcome you back to Foxhole's Black Report. Singer and actor Tyrese Gibson has been ordered to uh, ordered by a judge to pay over half a million dollars in child support and legal fees. That's right. This all comes after his ex-wife, Samantha Lee, mm. says he refused to pay the originally ordered $10,000 a month. The ruling was made by the same judge who Tyrese previously called racist during the trial. Yeah, we just talked about this yesterday. Now, Tyrese says he didn't pay Samantha the initial money because he felt she didn't need that much as she made good money on her own. At last check, Samantha Lee is a licensed clinical social worker. I told mm. you yesterday, mm. Nick Cordelai. Mm. Come on, like Tyrese. I, listen, I said, hey, I oh, love Lord. Tyrese. I love him, but you know, his credibility over the years is, especially with this particular ongoing battle, has been a little shaky. And so what he was putting out there, talking about the judge called, you know, and out her net, I was like, uh, hold on. We, we gotta get the facts and, and hear it. Today, we have more. Not a good idea to pick a fight with the judge yeah. <laughs> right before, you know, yeah. they render a decision on your case. And by the way, what clinical social worker makes good money? Right. And I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, I read he was actually held in contempt. I don't know if he was, you know, if they kept him, but uh, the judge put that gavel down. So, you know, ain't no telling what Tyrese got to talking about in that courtroom that kind of PO'd that judge. And, and now he's paying even more than he was initially uh, told to pay in the first place. Yeah, and it's not up to him to decide, you know, how much money he thinks his ex-wife <laughs> should get. That's not how the law no, that's works, not how it works, right? That's not how it works. And this is not to refute or take away some of the legit arguments that dads do absolutely, have when, absolutely. when they go into court and it's a it's a child support thing and sometimes that mama is a mess. We're not taking anything away from that. But Tyrese? Well, some of the mamas listening are saying sometimes that daddy's a mess. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is true. This Just is saying. True. I think it goes both ways. I think so. For sure. Soldier Boy is going to have to pay up also after a judge ruled that he owes his ex over $230,000. Whoa. 
His ex, Kayla Mayers, accused the rapper of assaulting her with a gun and kidnapping her in 2019. Last week, the jury in the case awarded Myers with $1,800 for mental health costs and another $234,000 for physical and mental pain and suffering. She was able to prove her injuries by text messages and DMs from Soldier Boy. Court documents also state that the judge found Soldier Boy engaged in malice, oppression, and fraud. Yeah. I, mm, Say it ain't so. I, mm, but how you go from all of this? I mean, the whole entire world was to, you know, some of what we've been hearing over the years. Um, and I don't know if it's like a, a, if it's a mental thing, emotional thing, I don't know, but he hit so big, so quick, so fast. I don't know if he, and he was so young, maybe he didn't handle it. Maybe the village, you know, didn't, didn't handle him properly. I don't know, but some of what we've been hearing about Soldier Boy as of late has been a bit disturbing. You know, and sometimes there's a maturity gap. I mean, you know, Take take Soldier Boy out of it. Mm -hmm. You know anybody that experiences, you know, success mm -hmm. that seems to happen all very quickly, mm -hmm. right? They may not always be prepared for that, mm -hmm. right? And they may not always have the maturity to meet the moment. And so I don't know Soldier Boy personally, and so I can't really speak to that uh, directly. But there are a lot of of, of young guys out there, mm -hmm. you know, who get caught up in cases like this because they're not ready. They're not mature enough to, 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 to be able to handle that kind of responsibility, and to handle that kind of money, to, 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 to know uh, what is nice to have and what is a must have, um, let alone you know, show up and, and you know, be the kind of person your family needs you to be. I will give you that. However, what is the, the reason that comes about like at age uh, seven when they say you know better? Uh, so he was what, late teens when he hit? I'm sure he was much older uh, when he you know, uh, 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 you know, violated this young lady, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, so you just know right from wrong, a maturity gap or not, you know you don't cause no bodily harm to anybody, especially somebody you say you care about, your girlfriend, a partner, whatever the case may be. So I hear you on that, but I still feel like, you know, no excuse. Come on, soldier boy, you know better. I don't care how immature you may act or appear to be. You know you don't put your hands on anybody like that, especially in the manner or period, but in the manner in which he did, that sounds very malicious mm -hmm. and with intent. You know better. Well, but we don't know, you know, what example Soldier Boy might have seen in his life that mm. suggests that some of his choices and behavior are okay. And so again, don't know him, right? But you know, know a lot of brothers out there, you know, that have a little bit of a maturity gap, you know, when it comes to you know uh, being the man uh, or the person that your family needs you to be, uh, you know, versus you know playing these games. And so, mm, all right, just saying. But you should know right from wrong. NBA legend Jalen. Rose is firing back at Phil Jackson, legendary coach here, uh, following some controversial comments. While on a recent comment, uh, while a recent comment, uh, former NBA coach Phil Jackson said, uh, this is what he said. He said he hasn't enjoyed watching games since the league started to have social justice initiatives on the court, specifically the Black Lives Matter sign that was written on the court during the 2020 playoffs. And you remember the players wore the slogans on their jerseys as well. Now, Jay Jalen Rose clapped back, saying that Jackson made his entire career mm. off the backs of black players. Mm. And if he doesn't like the platform, then he should stop watching the game. Ding, just, ding, 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 just, ding, ding, well, ding. let me tell you, Jalen <laughs> dropped that mic. 
He yeah, dropped he that mic. Jalen said. Jalen said. He often does. Jalen said the quiet part out loud. He did. You know because because you know like like it's it, you can't start the clock mm-hmm. at when. Uh, Players started protesting mm-hmm. um, racial injustice mm-hmm. um, following the murder of George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. This has been a part of the history of America. Mm-hmm. When these players leave the court and they go back home, you know, whether it's where they live mm-hmm. or it's where they spend the holidays or where they grew up, you know, there are folks that are counting on them mm-hmm. in the spirit mm-hmm. of Harry Belafonte to mm-hmm. use your platform mm-hmm. to say something, to do something, to make it stop. And and the fact that Phil Jackson doesn't seem to quite understand that, you know, given how many, um, you know, black, you know, iconic players he's worked with uh, over the course of his career, right, is dumbfounded. Yeah, and back to Jalen's point on on the backs, and you have a coach whose whose career is stellar, and the teams that he 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 coached for stellar, going from Chicago, the MJ day, MJ days, mm-hmm. to LA, and and all the sports buffs out here, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe that was the Kobe, uh, you know, Shaq years, and and some beyond. Mm-hmm. For him to you know, for him to say that, what what would his career Career be without you know, those two type of organizations with those type of like you said iconic legendary players come on Phil he should know better than that come on Phil at least, at least don't say it out loud say it at home on the back patio or on vacation on a yacht somewhere because he made plenty of money too but you know what you know Courtney if this is if this can be a teachable moment mm-hmm. for Phil mm-hmm. then maybe this can be a teachable moment for a lot of the Phil's of his generation if, if he maybe. wants it if he wants it to be a teachable moment I don't know if he cares enough because that's why he had the he felt comfortable saying it let us pray <laughs> The Houston Rockets have a new head coach. The team has hired Ime Udoka in the new role. Udoka led the Celtics to the 2022 NBA Finals in his only season as head coach. He was suspended from the Celtics this season for having a relationship with a coworker that led to his high-profile split from actress Nia Long. Sports analyst and former Rockets coach Jeff Van Gundy says he's a talented coach with mm-hmm. a lot of experience. He's a very talented coach mm-hmm. and, and a proven coach. He's he's a great great coach and uh, you know you, you have to, obviously the Houston Rockets organization has been able to separate some of his, you know, his, his personal life from um, what he has, or how he has proven himself you know, on the court as a head coach and, and the leader, you know, of a squad and so, um, you know, if, if he has paid the piper uh, in Boston and he is freed up to now do his thing in Houston, however, I want him to be careful because there's some baddies in Houston now, <laughs> some gorgeous, gorgeous women in Houston. I want you to stay focused, coach, and uh, do your thing as that team um, could could use um, some 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 new hardware, yeah. rings and things of that nature. But well, uh, Houston's a great place, especially but for the culture. Houston is a good place, but it's important to also know that both things can be true, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Behind the scenes, he could be a work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. And he could be an amazing coach, right? Yeah, and so it doesn't absolutely. have to be one or the other. And I feel like sometimes, you know, I think people folk may hyper focus mm-hmm. on the Neil Long years and what went wrong mm-hmm. um, at the expense of looking at what he's doing right as mm-hmm. a coach. All I'm saying is, you know, if if he has, you know, put that to rest and 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 you know been forgiven or has asked for forgiveness from those involved and has moved on from Boston and now this is a new uh, fresh start. I just want old boy uh, to stay focused and and let's see what he's going to do with the Rockets because he did an awesome awesome job with uh, the Celtics and. Uh, 
uh, you know, the, the, the rest is yet to be told and well, written. Well, he had awesome, awesome taste with Neil Long. I'm just saying. Yeah, and he is awesomely fine, too. <laughs> All right, up next is the best part of the show. We call it Black Excellence. That's right. We'll introduce you to the New Orleans high school senior who's breaking records mm. before even accepting a college to attend. Yep. You're watching Fox O's Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox O's Black Report. Well, New Orleans high school senior receives a record-breaking $9 million in scholarships and 170 college offers. Man, that's nuts. 16-year-old Dennis Barnes applied to 200 colleges. Offers and scholarships are still coming in. He plans to announce his decision uh, May 2nd and uh, would still like to reach the goal of $10 million in scholarships. Dennis has always excelled in academia, having uh, been promoted to, uh, both to the 10th and then the 11th grade, so he skipped a few grades, and all the while maintaining a GPA of 4.98 while holding leadership positions in the National Honor Society. Mm -hmm. The number of offers that Dennis received breaks the previous record documented in the Guinness Book of World Records. He graduates on May 24th and plans on pursuing, get this, a dual undergraduate degree in computer science and criminal justice. And I was reading and reading and reading. He's he's fluent in, in Spanish and he's a head of some kind of uh, Hispanic uh, of, uh, organization that promotes bilingualism. I mean, he is just he is running it already. And just to have these choices at his uh, at his fingertips. Uh, interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where he chooses to go because he's been accepted to some of the top of the top of the top. So, yeah, I mean, know, with a with a 4.98 yeah. grade point average, you can go consistent uh, throughout his go, years. Go anywhere and and run the yard, um, and it's just it's beautiful seeing all the honors cords. You see all the mm -hmm. honors cords. I don't think I've ever seen anybody no. wearing that many well, honors cords. He was promoted, you know, through the 10th and uh, and the 11th grade. So I don't know if that means he went straight from ninth grade to to the 12th grade, but he's been on this incredibly. Intelligent, fast track uh, for a moment. So, and he's also have been has been um, gaining college credits. Mm -hmm. uh, so he'll walk into college probably as a sophomore or a junior because he's been able to study uh, as a college uh, kid alongside of his, um, you know. Our National Honor Society studies in high school. That's amazing to me. I was a lazy student. I probably could have came out of high school with a three-point. I was artsy-fartsy. I wanted to sing and do uh -huh. cartwheels and be the hall guard captain. And I came out with like a two-five. But uh -huh. it was enough to, you know, couple that with my ACT and 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 squeeze my way into Michigan State yeah. University. Yeah. But that's amazing, you know, these young people, especially what you're faced against yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly remember, you know, being a part of the National Honor Society and and uh, and, and, and all that. You're one of those. You know, huh? I, you know <laughs> but, but you know, what's interesting, even though I took AP classes mm -hmm. and, and honors classes, I remember meeting a recruiter um, uh, at a college fair, mm -hmm. a University of Southern California recruiter um, who looked at my uh, grades mm -hmm. and my profile and was like, mm, this may be a stretch for you. Ooh. I'll never forget it, right? Ooh. And so, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's not for me, right? Applied anyway and got in well, and ended well, up going. Well, and so, discrimination going and, on and there. So, huh. and, so, and so I don't know what was up with that that uh, recruiter wow. at USC. Well, the only but, thing close to it. But I'm, but I'm glad I didn't listen to her. The only thing close to like a promotion or anything honorary-ish in kindergarten, I did get a little certificate that said I was reading on the third grade level. Hey, and, and look at you now. 
<laughs> Still reading on the third grade because <laughs> I jack up a word. And look at you now, y'all know. All right, but but, but but you know what? I also just want to say real quick. Oh, yeah. You know, so this month is National Autism Awareness Month, oh. right? Since we're talking about school and everything, and um, I'm thinking about um, my cousin Einstein, who's autistic, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure that there are a number of folks mm-hmm. in our families mm-hmm. um, that are part of our our soulmates that are also autistic, and um, I think it's just important to shine a light on how far we've come in terms of reducing the stigma mm-hmm. around autism and providing you know, autistic kids with the tips, tools, and resources that they need mm-hmm. to persevere. Um, we just had Ariva Martin on the show just yesterday. She mm-hmm. is president of the Special Needs Network in Los Angeles. Um, she has a kid that's autistic and she has been a terrific outspoken advocate on um, all issues related to folks with autism. And so we can't let this month of April go by without taking a moment to just shine a light on all of our autistic soulmates out there. Yeah, and also before we we wrap up, make sure you continue to uh, tap in with the Ahmaud uh, Arbery uh, Foundation. Uh, They're having a uh, 5K run in honor of him and his memory as that movement continues. Uh, You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't stop just because, you know, uh, you don't see or hear it in the headlines anymore. So definitely uh, tap into that as well, Soapmates. And you can tap in for a full run down on today's stories and more. You can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other Black-centered content. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is free. And as always, it has absolutely been our pleasure to bring you this conversation today. We so appreciate you. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nick Cordelai-Corte. On behalf of the entire team here at Fox Souls Black Report, stay lifted. And stay safe. We shall see you soon. Bye now.